Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. Great to be back with you folks. It's always an honor to come out and uh, just know that we have people like you that are out there listening and caring about us and thanks for sending your comments and your questions and we get to them once in a while but it, it helps us to know for sure that you guys are out there listening to us and with me as always is my friend Stephanie Wesco. Uh, good morning Stephanie. How are you? Good morning Doug. Doing pretty well. Yeah and I guess you got more snow coming your way huh? Yep, that's what the weather says. We'll see what it ends up being, but that's what the weather's saying. Man, it's been so cold here. I think I'm living up north or something. This whole, you know, when your state has the word south in it, uh, you'd think it'd be, well, South Dakota defies that. But anyway, South Carolina, you'd think it'd be a little bit warmer. But these 28-degree mornings, I've just about had it with them. And, uh, you know, I'm ready to go back to that South Carolina 45-degree morning. And a 55-degree afternoon. That's uh, that's where I want to go. But as always, we're getting ready for camp, Stephanie. So we, we are getting ready to send out our flyers for Southland. That's going to be on March 14th through 18th. And you all want to come out to camp. It's going to be a, a really special time this year. If you've been out to Southland before, there's a ton of improvements. Not that they really needed it, but there's... You know, a new coffee house with classrooms. There's there's all kinds of stuff, and we're just looking forward to that. And uh, just the breakout groups. And, I mean, Stephanie, what would you tell the folks about camp? Well, it's a great time um, to come, and if you're looking for help, just to see God maybe work in your heart and your life. Um, yeah, there's sometimes it may involve pain um if you know things are triggered not on purpose but just because of the nature of things that are covered but um at the same time sometimes healing involves having to open up um open up wounds or just deal with things that maybe have been buried for a long time that um god knows need need his touch of healing in our hearts and minds so that he can um, create us fashion us more into what he wants us to be yeah, and, and I think that uh, I've never had anybody leave camp who said I'm not, you know, that would ever say I'm not better off today than I was, you know, when I got here. So camp has always been a blessing to folks. So make sure you sign up. Come on out. We're going to be talking about the traumas, the triggers, the transition uh, to, you know, just being able to serve God and do those things we do with PTSD. So we're excited about that. We'd love to have you with us. and. Um, give us a shout if you need information on it. But again, it's at woundedspirits.com. You can sign up for Southland Christian Camp today, right now. So make sure you go ahead and do that. We've already had a few folks sign up, and we're going to limit it about 35 people, I think. And uh, we're kind of going to keep it there. But uh, with that, Stephanie, we come across our time, the Norton knuckleheaded moment where we uh, look at things. And, and what we try to do is we try to point out uh, what a knucklehead is so that you don't become a knucklehead, and sometimes it's funny. But I got to tell you, one of the things that bugs me, and I think universally bugs people with PTSD or who are a little bit on edge, is these people who take their mufflers off their cars. 
You know, mm. what's the deal with that? You know? Uh, yeah, uh, people that like noise. I think it's just somebody who likes noise does stuff like that. <laughs> but, you know, you're a knucklehead if you do that. And, you, you know, you're you're freaking people out. You're revving it up. It's, you know, that noise pollution. You're sitting at home. You don't hear anything. You know, there's no noise at your house except maybe you got your TV on or a radio or a podcast. And all of a sudden, you oh, you know, there's kid down the road cutters mufflers and catalytic converters off his mustang and put straight pipes out the back and thinks he's the coolest thing in the world he does a burnout you know uh every two or three hundred yards his parents are getting ready to kick him out of the house so that's a good thing but anyway these things don't do it that makes you a knuckle if you cut your muffler things you don't say or do to people with ptsd i had a guy uh t- talking to me about somebody with ptsd the other day and said i told her she's just weird you know, that's not a good thing, Stephanie. Mm. I think we, we, we can do better than that. And uh, let's not do that. Let's say something like, hey, it's good to see you, man. <laughs> Stay away from things like you're weird. I don't know. Has anyone ever called you weird, Stephanie? Oh, I've been called way worse than weird. If somebody calls me weird, I'm just going to be like, and? <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, I've always marched to the beat of a different drummer. I kind of march to the beat of a whole marching band. You know, I'm I'm kind of different that way. But uh, anyway, we said all that to get going this morning. And so don't tell people they're weird. Don't tell people weird things about themselves. And definitely don't cut your mufflers off and live next door to me. That's kind of freaky. It's just kind of weird. It makes you a knucklehead. That's all I'm saying. We're in Proverbs. So we've been cruising along through the book of Proverbs. And a couple things I've heard from a few people who uh, uh, want to help out with the narcissism thing. We'd like to hear from a few more. I'd like to have about 15 or 20 people, actually, that want to tell us what they went through and uh, contact us. We're working with a couple folks now. And as we come out of Proverbs, we're going to go into a study uh, about narcissism and what the Bible has to say and how it's spiritually corrupt and bankrupt. It's, uh, it's not something that God accepts, Stephanie. It's something that you know, God doesn't like narcissists. That's not a, it's a sin to be a narcissist. It's a sin to want to control everybody. It's a sin to want to hurt people. It's a sin to want to be your own God. It's a sin to, you know, bet all those things that narcissists do. It's a sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, I think if, if we look, the more I study and I actually brought along um, a book I'm reading today um, that some of it might fit into to things we study, but um, when I look at narcissism and I look at its effects, um, on my life, on my kid's life, on people I love, yeah. um, what I see is that narcissism quite honestly is just the human form of who Satan is. Um, because the whole basis of narcissism is I will, mm. And I will be in control. I will tell you what to do. I will dictate your life to you. I know everything. You know nothing. The whole basis of it is pride. And that is what, that's the basis of who Satan is. That's why he was thrown out of heaven. And so when you look at narcissism, um, that's a human made word. I think pride is a is the biblical word for it because that's the basis of what it is. And I know there's multiple, there's demonic devilish, um, devilish is the Bible word, devilish words or devilish spirits involved, um, with this whole mentality. But yes, it's, it's scary and it's straight from the pit of hell. There you go. 
And uh, so we want to stay away from that. We're going to be talking a lot about that. So over here in Proverbs 13, I mean, again, we continue to go on in 13. And, you know, we came through uh, this last time, you know, we, we the last two chapters about standing upright, integrity, doing the right thing, taking instruction uh, and things like that. And now uh, it's more of that. It's this chapter really talks about the value of correction. And uh, the, the value of accepting correction, the value of how correction can help you in your life and your walk with God, how correction can make a difference. And so we're going to hop right in uh, verse number four in chapter 13 of the book of Proverbs. And it says, the soul of the sluggard desireth and have nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. You know, this is another one of those verses, Stephanie, that right away, and almost talking about that narcissist, you know, <laughs> You desire all kinds of things, but you have nothing. Uh, but that person who's diligent, that person who, uh, you know, makes a difference, you're going to be made fat. And it's not talking about weighing 350 pounds. And so what do you think? What, what is this verse talking to you about today? Well, I love this verse because it's very practical. And I think this is something that um, if we would get this incorporated back into American society, um, many problems would be solved because the basis, the basic principle is saying, if you're lazy, you're going to, there's a lot of things you may want. There may be a lot of things you think you are owed, but in the end, you're going to have nothing because God doesn't reward laziness. But if you're diligent, if you do your work heartily as unto the Lord, as you're putting your focus on, um, doing whatever God's called you to do, there's going to be riches. There's going to be treasures laid up in heaven and God, there's, there's blessing on this earth. And I think this is very, an important verse, um, you know, as we're raising our children to remember this principle that when they're diligent to make sure that we praise them, that we um, reward diligence and that there are consequences, you know, if you have a kid that's a lazy bum um, and isn't doing their chores and is blatantly just being a sluggard, they, they, need to, they need to learn that that's not okay. And I'm not saying you be cruel or mean and look to the Lord for direction, but they need to understand that there is profit and reward and blessing that comes from being diligent and that the opposite is true when you choose to be lazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think that... Um... I think here too, I think, you know, the lazy dude, the, the sluggard there, you know, they, they crave everything that somebody who works hard, just what you're getting at and why it needs to be back in society. They want the fruits of somebody who's diligent. They want the and fruits, yeah. but they don't want to do anything. And yeah. so, so I think it's important that as we look at this and, 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 you know, that's why it's so important that we need to reevaluate what we get in our lives and what we expect in our lives because this is pretty clear. This is like, you know, these folks want the best things in life, but they don't want to do anything at all to get the best things in life. They just want to sit back. And, and we see that so often today, people aren't taking jobs today. Uh, yeah. they, you know, they'd rather get unemployment, live on, live on mom and dad's couch, whatever the case may be. I'm not sure. I'm just thankful. My kids have always worked. And that people I know have always worked and that I've always worked. I'm thankful for that, that money has always come in. And like you, I mean, you've either been working or, or raising children your whole life. And, but there, there's that other part here of people. And that, that thing we need to watch out for is the other side of diligence, the other side and diligence. 
I think that's really a word like godliness, Stephanie. I think that has a good connotation to it. Yeah. You well, know, I mean, for Christians, I, I don't, there are, there are um, unsaved people who have incredible work ethics. Um, yeah. the, you know, this verse can apply to a lost person too. I don't think this is just applying, but, but how much more, should it be true of God's people, of someone who claims to be a Christian? And I, I think here of um, just from personal experience, um, I think of a man who, who is a narcissist, but a man who, who had two personalities and at church. Um, and he's a, he's a, you know, he's a pastor looked up to respected in many circles and all this, but I know this guy. And at the workplace um, there were, there were, fellow employees of his that gave testimony to the fact that he was a lazy bum. He was sloppy. He was irresponsible. Um, you know, he was that all, all that is encompassing in that of a sluggard. But when he got to church, oh man, he was a perfectionist. He oh, was yeah. a gentleman. He was, everything had to be neat. He literally could be whichever thing he needed to look at, look like. And if he was in private, yeah, he was a slug. But if he was in public, Oh man, we, we've got, we are on top of things. And when I look at, when I look at this, what I see is when I look back on, on that man's life, he lived jealous of people who fulfilled the second half of this verse all the time in their life. He was insanely jealous of that because in his heart, he had absolutely nothing. And that since I pity him, but he literally lived his life jealous because of he wanted he like you were saying he wanted the benefits of yeah. being diligent all the time he wanted the contentment and the satisfaction and the joy and the peace and just the fulfillment in life that the diligent had but he wasn't willing to take the steps that were necessary because you can't be both of these things yeah you want all the diligence with none of the work and uh, yeah and, and, and that's, and, but again, talking about that diligent person, you know, they're getting all the benefits they're out there, they're working for it. They're, you know, they're, they're in the game. They're in the arena. Uh, one of the things that's talked about now is there are people in the arena. They're out there doing something. And I think that's what we get out of that. The lesson is, you know, there's people who want everything and don't do a thing. And there's people that do a lot and are very satisfied. And the Bible says they're fat. And in that term fat, they're talking about being happy. So the old saying that comes from one of the oldest sayings we have in English idiosum, idiosum or whatever you want to call it, uh, the idiomatics from when I, uh, when I was in college is fat and happy. And that's not yeah. talking about being fat, but it's really talking <laughs> about the verse right here is sitting back and, you know, you got the money you need to live. You got the things you feel good. You feel good about yourself. And then verse five, it goes, a righteous man hateth lion, but a wicked man is loathsome. And cometh to shame, so to loathe some, to hate, you know. Uh, but I was thinking about that. You know, you think about that verse, a righteous man hates lions. So mm. somebody, and it's not only talking about that we hate lion from other people, we hate lion ourselves. You know, yeah. uh, God should give us that feeling that, you know, we, we just hate that. And, uh, um, you know, that, that whole idea of being loathsome, and I hope I'm saying that right, but to loathe something. And uh, the whole idea is it, it almost seems like in this verse, Stephanie, to me, uh, you know, a wicked man and a woman love lying or they love lies. 
and that's kind of it, it's shameful. And so, really, yeah. I mean, you're looking at this verse; it's it's giving you two ideas here. But to me, it's a pretty shameful thing. Yeah, well, it's always anything that involves lying is beyond shameful. It's an abomination to God. Um, lying lips are an abomination to God. Um, and anytime that you, your pride, if you're willing to lie for your, for your pride's sake, for your images sake, I don't care what, what spiritual cloak you put on it. Lying is lying. Okay. Period. There is no way around that. And if you're willing to lie, you, you are proving one thing. Lying proves one thing to me. Um, and because I have been on the receiving end of so many lies, God's taught me one thing about lying. If you're willing to lie for your image, if you're willing to lie, to look diligent, if you're willing to lie for any reason, you're proving that you yourself are your, you, you worship yourself, whether you would admit that or not, you are a God to yourself. Your image is your God. Your reputation is your God. If you're willing to lie, to keep those things looking like you're a diligent person or looking like you're a godly person or whatever the case is, that's the bottom line of this. And I remember being put in situations where I was point blank told to lie. Mm. And and no, no. And just to qualify, this is not blood relations. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, not blood relations. Yeah. I think it's Um, important we qualify that because people say, well. My father roll over. Yeah. My father is the one who instilled into me a hatred for lying. So ironically enough, he's hated by the same people who hate me. So that was. so am I. I never even met him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But all that to say, I, there was no gray. I was supposed to lie. I was supposed to literally tell falsehoods and make false statements. Yeah. And I hated it. I, it would anger me so much. And then I'd be accused of being bitter and all those things, Yeah. but it would anger me because I was like, how can you call yourself a Christian and literally promote lying, literally promote hypocrisy on a level that literally would make me nauseous. That's how bad it was. And when I look at this verse, I see something. God uses a very strong word here. Okay. So he calls lying lips an abomination to him. In other words, he hates it. And then he says here, a righteous man hateth lying. In other words, we are to hate this from where I sit. When I'm looking at this, we have Jesus Christ in us. If we are his child, we are to hate the things he hates. And he hates lying. He, it's an abomination to him. In other words, this is like a top thing he hates. And we're to hate it that much as well. And if you don't, if you can excuse lying, because let me, I think in something else needs brought out here. You can play the neutral game with liars. If you choose to take that position, guess what? You are now partaking in their lies and you're just as guilty as the person who started the lie. Yeah. So there needs to be something that's hated. In other words, we abhor it. We stay away from it. It vexes our soul if we hear a lie. This is a big deal. Yeah, and we got to stay away from liars. I I think we have, you know, we have that biblical requirement to say, hey, we caught you lied to us. We don't like lying. Don't do it again. And if they ask for forgiveness, you forgive them. And if they do it again, you bail. But, you know, I think there's an important side of this, Stephanie, that we got to cover. And we only got, you know, a minute left or whatever. But I think the important side to this is how do we 
how do we react when someone tells us to lie or to propagate something that's untrue? You see it a lot in the ministry, you know, oh, embellish or whatever. They they don't want to call mm-hmm. a lie a lie. They don't want to no. call committing adultery, committing oh, no. adultery. They want to call no. it an affair. Like I'm going to yeah. have an affair. You know, I'm going to go have a Coke and a sandwich with this, uh, with my wife. You know, that's an affair. Adultery is I'm going to have a lot worse than Coke and a sandwich with a woman I'm not married to. But I, I think, I think, you know, I think it's important that we understand how do we handle that when someone tells us to lie? What do we do? I think this is one of the reasons we are supposed to renew our minds daily through God's word, because if we have God's word that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, if we're renewing our minds with that and letting the Holy Spirit use God's word in our heart and life every single day, when we are confronted with a situation where we're told to lie or we're told to cover up something, that is a lie. Same thing. So if we're told to lie by our words, by our actions, by our demeanor, um, if we're told to lie in any way, shape, or form, our reaction should be oil and vinegar. Yeah. And from from where I have sat, okay, you can confront a liar till you're blue in the face. And I'm talking a liar in terms of maybe someone who didn't just lie once. I'm talking a person who this is their way of life and per, that's the per, kind of perpetually self. involved with lying. Yeah. yeah. Where it is their life. Literally it's their oxygen stream. Yeah. When you're dealing with a person like that, there is no other solution but to walk away. Walk away. Because yeah. you're not going to change them. And you, yes, you follow the biblical steps to confront, which my yeah. husband and I did. And you know what? That gave us freedom. We had fulfilled what God's word told us to do. And in, in a sense, afterwards, we were like, why did we bother? Because all it did was add to our name's blot and our stress level. Because all it did was, from a human perspective, compound the problem. But in the end, God used it to clear the air for us personally, because he made it so abundantly clear that we were dealing with liars. And so when the tale is told, follow the principles of God's word when you're dealing with a liar, but then walk away when there's no repentance, because guess what? A liar is a toxic person. Yeah. They will always be a toxic person in your life because God is never involved in lying. Never. So you shouldn't be either. And you shouldn't be friends with a liar. There it is. Hey folks. And uh, just to wrap this up real quick, I want, I wanted to make sure we had an idea of what we need to do because we're, we're often confronted with this type of thing, but God gave us some pretty serious stuff to talk about here today. And I'm thankful for that. Talking about, you know, the lazy guy just want, wants what the diligent guy has and, and God awards the diligentness. He tells us we get fat. So we're happy in life. We're satisfied. We're content. And then with this last verse, we were just looking at verse number five is, you know, those of us who are saved and those of us who are right with God, we hate lying. But that wicked person, I mean, they, they're shameful. They'll just keep on lying. Hey, listen, we love you folks. If there's anything we can do for you, please make sure you contact us on uh, woundedspirits.com uh, or Helpful Wounded Spirits Facebook page. And remember the camp, get out there. They're out there right now. You can sign up. We sure do love you folks. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner. 
for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.